Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. We talk Pro Bowl. Five Cardinals are playing in the game. Also, the topic of offensive line in 2022. Guard play, we believe, must be addressed in the offseason. But first, putting Tom Brady's career in proper perspective. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 533, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Champion. That's the word that comes to mind when talking about Tom Brady. His seven Super Bowls are more than any franchise. Think about that for a moment, MJ. Seven. One more than the Steelers. One more than the Patriots. I mean, that's put it in perspective, that's, you know, how many NBA championships the Boston Celtics have won or the New York Yankees winning World Series title after World Series title and one individual would have more than those particular teams. Unheard of. I don't think it's ever going to be uh, a beaten. Uh, and he played in 10 Super Bowls. So you're talking about in, you know, people will say he's the best quarterback ever. He may be the best football player. And I know that when you look at his combine picture, he's this tall, skinny kid. He goes into the sixth round, 199th overall. Um, and then the rest, you know, obviously getting a chance to play when Bledsoe went down. But, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed watching him play. And you talk about a guy that studied the game, worked hard, watched a ton of film, and he had, he went through some injuries. I mean, obviously the year that Matt Castle played for him, you know, he tore his ACL and Castle went 11-5. and five, And Castle said he would call him before every game. He would call him after every game and just say, hey, these are things you can work on. So what a great teammate. And he made guys around him better. He, you know, you look at Julian Edelman, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not, he made him a star. Wes Welker. Uh, you look at when Randy Moss was there, and he threw for, what, 49, 50 touchdowns, and Moss had, like, over 20 touchdowns. So, And then the offensive lineman. And, and they really had a really good defense where he didn't have to put up 35, 40 points a game, but he was capable of doing that. Not only uplifted his teammates, but the assistant coaches getting head coaching jobs after either being an offensive or defensive coordinator and whether they were successful after leaving New England's a different story, but getting guys paid, teammates and assistant coaches getting promoted to be the guy at another team. Most recent, Josh McDaniels just took the Las Vegas Raiders job. I mean, Charlie Weiss propelled it to get a job at Notre Dame. You know, you look at Romeo Cornell. He's never getting a head coaching job until he was worth the Patriots. You know, you look at Brian Flores right now. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, for a guy uh, to play 22 years, and it's really, unheard of. And really it's 20 full seasons because year one, one game as a rookie, and then that one game in 2008 when he tore his ACL. So 20 full seasons as a starting quarterback, and you mentioned – 10 Super Bowls, half of his playing career ended in the last game, in the Super Bowl. That's that's every other season playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect, there, there are NFL franchises that haven't won one. 
you're talking about a guy that has more than any other franchise that you could say, well, you know, he's trailing two or three different franchises. Football's been around for a long time. So let's go back to, you know, his early years. They called them the underdog years. That would have been 2000 to 2006. Three Super Bowl titles, two Super Bowl MVPs. He was 12-2 and two in the playoffs, 20 touchdown passes first, and threw for 3,217 yards. That was second. So, again, that was his underdog years, 2000 to 2006. The GOAT years, 2007 to 2013, zero Super Bowl titles, two two regular season MVPs, 6-6 six and six in a playoff record, 23 playoff touchdowns first, and over 3,000 yards first. That was the GOAT. And then the Immortal, 2014 to 2020, four Super Bowl titles, four MVPs, Three Super Bowl, one in the regular season, finished 16 and three in the playoffs, 40 playoff touchdowns first, and threw for 6,000 yards first. So almost three different phases of his career. And each phase, you could argue, a Hall of Fame career. And the shelf life of a football player is what, three and a half, four and a half years? And three and a half. He quadrupled that. He more than quadrupled that. And it's it's phenomenal when you look back. Made the playoffs in 19 of his 22 seasons. So every single year, Tom Brady made the playoffs. And, yeah, it helped to have good teammates around him, but didn't really play with any superstars. Randy Moss was the one wide receiver, one really, really Hall of Fame wide receiver that he played with. We'll see what happens with Mike Evans down the road. But he didn't have, like, that superstar in the backfield or a wide receiver. Now, he did have Rob Gronkowski. That counts. That matters. But as far as a skilled position player, those two, Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski, that's Yeah, it. and I think, you know, I think Gronk will retire just based on, you know, Brady not returning, and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. We're talking about guys like Deion Branch. I mean, Troy Brown. You're right. He didn't play with a whole lot of Hall of Fame skilled position players, he, even in, in with the running backs. He elevated – their game, and that's what we want to see out of Kyla Murray as we bring it closer to home here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. It is very, very difficult to win, and I think we're seeing that because now you're looking back at the years in which Brady went to the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and Ben Roethlisberger now retiring. A year ago, Drew Brees retired. So there are only three active quarterbacks with Super Bowl wins, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Wilson won his in 2013, Rodgers in 2010. Three active quarterbacks. As we speak here right now, first week of February, three active quarterbacks with Super Bowl wins. Now active quarterbacks who have reached the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, plus Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford after next week. That's not a large number that's less than 10 and we're talking about hey you know what the goal every year it is so hard and I'm not faulting fan bases bird gang whatever that should be your expectation you should want your team your quarterback to elevate a franchise to get to the Super Bowl but it is so hard and we lose sight of that when we're in the moment myself included the way the regular season ended, going one and done in the postseason. And then you take a step back after several weeks, several days, and you realize, you know what? Yeah, the Cardinals did accomplish something because there are not a lot of 
players out there that get to do what the Cardinals did in 2021. Well, just think, the 14 teams that make the playoffs, 13 are going to end their season on a loss. Only one team at the end. And let's look back at the Phoenix Suns last year. Get to the NBA Finals. They'll probably never have the same path based on injuries. But they earned it, right? They're up two games and none. And they get a backdoor sweep, obviously losing to the best player in the world, or at least in the NBA. And it's, it's so hard. And I listened to Carlos Dansby. He was on with uh, Bickley Murata, and they asked him about that game. And to a player, even Lorenzo Alexander, um, they had on uh, Anquan Bolden. He said, you just, like we talk about, there's always a dud every year. Maybe the Cardinals had a couple of those and, and with the Lions and, and the Panthers. He said, it just happens. You prepare all week, and then you get in the game, and you can't put your finger on it. So hopefully – the entire team, not just Kyler Murray, not just Cliff Kingsbury. You have to learn from that. You have to eat that, and you have to accept that. And I like what Zach Allen said, even though he may not be able to participate in all the offseason workouts. He said, we're going to hit the offseason workouts even harder th- uh, this year than last year. And we, you and I, when we're impressed with the offseason workouts, Cliff walking around more, being a head coach, different drills. They, everyone was on the same page going into training camp, and that's why I thought this offense could be sustainable. But, again, if teams are going to make adjustments in the second half of the season, you have to counter. That is something that has to happen for this team to win games in December. Use the disappointment, the frustration on how the season ended as motivation into the offseason. And we talk about some of those players, Carlos Dansby and Anquan Bolden. Well, don't forget the 2015 season is celebrated for the Arizona Cardinals. How did that season end? Hugely disappointment in the NFC Championship game. Cardinals could do nothing against the Carolina Panthers, and that that was an embarrassment. Yet at the same time, you're going to have games like that. You don't know when. You hope they don't happen late in the season or ever. But it's just, again, we live in the moment, and that is as fans, people who cover the team, we ride the roller coaster of emotions. And I'm not faulting anyone for being upset. You should be upset. But, again, as you take a step back, 2021 was a success, a huge disappointment at the end, but it was a success. Yeah, and you go back to that 13-3 and team that went to Carolina. And when you talk about five-star players, like over the weekend, I thought all the teams that won, their top five players played really well. You go back to that game, Palmer had, what, five or six turnovers? Um, Larry Fitzgerald dropped two first downs. Shaq Thompson did a good job. Patrick Peterson, it's 17-7, to and he muffs a punt where all of a sudden it's 17-10. Um, I'm a big Rashard Johnson fan. He could not cover Philly Brown. Um, Calais Campbell didn't play well in that game. It's, it's amazing when you get to that point, but you're right. I mean, uh, I just I just hope people realize it is so difficult to win a championship. Now, you want to be in that conversation. We yes. always say, just get in there. Just get in there and, and try to make a run. Well, hopefully the Cardinals will learn from that because I don't think they're going to take a step back next year. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many games they're going to win. Obviously, it's going to come down to the schedule. How do they play at home? How do they play on the road? How do they play in the division? How do they play in the conference? But I don't see this team taking a step back. I really don't because uh, they have built something here. But now you got to continue building and get better and execution has to be you know, the point of emphasis when you get to the season. You bring up the schedule, and Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are scheduled to be at State Farm Stadium in 2022. Now, 
no Brady, but the Buccaneers are here. And we look at that schedule and say, wow, you know, first place Kansas City Chiefs, first place Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Well, now all of a sudden, several days later, it's, well, there is not going to be a Tom Brady. What happens with the Buccaneers? What happens with the Chiefs? Yeah, schedule's daunting, but let's wait and see how this offseason plays out draft free agency and then look at what that schedule is and how daunting it may be in the month of may versus the months of september october november december and january yeah if you go back to when the cardinals hired bruce arians initially they signed drew stanton and then within a couple of weeks they made the trade for carson palmer and bruce arians has already maintained along with jason light they will look behind door number two they have blaine gabbert and kylie trask um, who was a really good college quarterback, but we know it's a different animal in the NFL. So I got to think that they could go after a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he could be the guy we know that if you surround him with good players, he can uh, elevate the, his, 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 his win-loss record. But then on the other side, no Brady, but if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, you're going to have to go on the road and play the Broncos. Yeah, there is that. There's a lot of moving parts. <laughs> what looks good right now could very easily change. Like, oh, I got to play Aaron Rodgers. I thought we were done with Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Right. So yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. On again, prisoners of the moment. Yes. When we see some of this stuff and deal with some of this stuff, and again, it changes. And I'm not going to fault anyone for feeling one way and then changing how they feel a week two months, three months later. And we're going to see some of these young quarterbacks in the AFC. We're going to see Mac Jones. Uh, we're going to see Justin Herbert. We would have faced the uh, um, we would have faced the Bills if they came in second place, but you get the second place team because the Cardinals finished in second place in that division. So we're going to get some young quarterbacks in here. And maybe Jalen Hurts, potentially. He's undergoing surgery, according to reports. So, yeah, it's a fascinating schedule that we'll revisit several times here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. There is one game left, the Super Bowl, but there is another game, an exhibition game, and that is coming up this Sunday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. 1 p.m. is the kickoff. It is the 2022 Pro Bowl. Five Cardinals will participate, Kyler Murray, James Conner, DJ Humphreys, Chandler Jones, and Buda Baker. So a total number of five players representing. And just one was an injury replacement, and that was DJ Humphreys. So props to all of those players. But looking at the breakdown as far as number of players per team, five, that is tied for the third most. 49ers, Vikings, Browns also with five. Chiefs and Colts with six. Buccaneers had seven. And some of these numbers get inflated because injury replacements or, in case of the Bengals and Rams, those players aren't participating, so you need someone to fill those spots. But I'm impressed. Five is a nice number considering you win 11 ballgames. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, you go back to the 2015 team? Correct. They had five as well. They had five, yeah. And you and I talked about it during the season. When you're winning games, and usually the last couple of years has been the Chiefs or the Buccaneers, and you see six or seven. Initially the Cardinals had four, but now you had Hump. And uh, if you want to follow azcardinals.com, we have a crew that's going to be covering the uh, the Pro Bowl from start to finish, um, they obviously have access to Cardinals players. Uh, the Cardinals have announced their Pro Bowl cheerleader. 
And so we've got a lot of things that's going on there. But I, I'm, I'm happy for Hump because uh, I just think it's long overdue. And as you always point out, sometimes it's the year after in this situation because Tyron Smith's out. He's going to get a chance to go there. And all these guys got great personalities. We know how Chandler Jones and Buddha act and Hump's got personality. Hopefully Kyler has gone. He's, he's moved on from the loss, even though he's got to accept it. And then you throw in James Conner, how can you not root for this guy? So I'm, I'm happy for all those guys. You know, at some points in the year, they carried this football team. Absolutely, and hopefully they're able to relax and have some fun with this game. Though I did find it interesting that none of those Cardinals players are involved in the skills competitions. Best catch, fastest man, precision passing, thread the needle, and dodgeball. Now, I'll be honest, MJ, I'm not a fan of dodgeball. I don't know how it's going to operate, but that just scares the heck out of me as far as what are they firing at one another? And, you know, you never want to see someone get hurt. And what was it, a flag football game back in the day? Robert Edwards. Ahead of the Super Bowl or ahead of the Pro Bowl? I can't remember what it, it was. If it was in between, I think it was before the Super Bowl. It would have been before the Super Bowl, he and he tore his ACL. An airplane sand football. Yeah, so some of these competitions, like dodgeball, I think it will be interesting to find. But, oh, the um, dodgeball is great. <laughs> I've watched it the last couple of years because, well, last year was virtual. Yes, and Kyler Warriors was the MVP of the virtual Pro Bowl in 2020. <laughs> yes, yes, but I love it. I mean, you got these guys. Um, you know, I mean, clearly you got some guys that are very athletic, and then you got some guys that just like Cleus Clamble wouldn't probably be because uh, he's a bit big target, you knock him down or can't catch it. But I like it because you take these guys out of their element, whether they're cornerbacks, wide receivers, uh, linebackers, safeties. You know, I kind of love, it. and 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 these guys are so competitive. Yes. They, they want to win. Like, and, and who's the last man standing? And then you'll see these guys go nuts. And you want that bragging rights, but also the extra cash that comes with it <laughs> as well. But Kyler Murray not involved in any of the passing competitions, which whether he was asked or decided not to, you got Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins involved, the other quarterbacks that are on the NFC side of things. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised because I'll say this, you know, that is the one thing that without a rush, there is no better quarterback throwing the football. Perfect spiral lands where it's supposed to, and that's the one thing that separates Kyler Murray when we watch practice out here on the grass his football looks a heck of a lot different than anyone else's that is coming off of his right arm. Well, just you and I got a chance to watch him during the rookie minicamp and just the, the release, how quick he gets rid of that ball, especially when he's, you know, he's, uh, you know, doing his drills or he's, you know, he's uh, chopping his feet and then he's got to turn his shoulder and throw. And anytime another quarterback's out there, I feel bad for the guy because he throws it so fast, the other one looks like it's slower and it's probably not. Um, yeah, Mac Jones is going to participate. I would love to see Kyler Murray in that in that competition where they they have those uh, golf carts, you know, going back and forth, and there's a target yep. there. I would love to see him do that because I think he would excel in that area. Maybe something next year or years down the road. But yeah, no Cardinals players in the skills competition, and that will be broadcast on Thursday. But again, the game coming up on Sunday at one o'clock. And I'll say this. There was no Pro Bowl a year ago. It was canceled. It was virtual. But there is a couple of different rule changes and just some alterations, if you will, that I think are fascinating and just might get that casual football fan to pay a little bit more attention to what happens on Sunday afternoon. There is not going to be an opening or second-half kickoff. And if there is overtime, 
it will be a little bit different. So I'm actually rooting for overtime because I want to know what the strategy is going to be for the two head coaches. Matt LaFleur for the NFC, Mike Vrabel for the AFC. Now, I know it's probably sacrilegious to root for overtime in an exhibition game, but (laughs) here's why. For the opening kickoff, second half kickoff, and overtime, if there is overtime, the spot-and-choose method that the Baltimore Ravens proposed a while back. Now, for those that might not remember, here's the spot-and-choose method. I'm fascinated by this. I don't know if it's going to gather legs and become something that we see in the regular season, but you win the coin toss, and then you're given two options. You can spot the football anywhere on the field, and then which direction do you want to go? All right. Or you choose. You decide whether to start on offense or defense depending on the other team's designated spot and direction. So, and this is going to be done, you, you have to choose first. You can't, you, you, you can't spot and then, all right, I'm going, to, I'm going to choose. So, do you choose to spot the ball at midfield, but then the other team gets the ball or has the option to say I'm playing offense or defense? Or do you spot the ball at the 10? Well, if I'm spotting the ball at 10, then the other team is say, well, we're going to play offense. So that's the strategy wow. in all of this to avoid collisions on kickoffs. But in overtime, how does that work? You win the coin toss, great. But now you have another decision to make. In overtime, it was always you win the coin toss, I'm taking the ball. Well, now it's, okay, do you want to spot the ball? And then wherever you spot it, that will kind of depend whether the other team plays offense or defense. It's not – your choice you're choosing to spot the ball or you choose hey we want to play offense or we want to play defense but it's predicated on where that ball is spotted yeah and I know something else they talked about because I think when it comes to on-site kicks um, the percentages aren't great and luckily the Cardinals were able to get one this year but I think it was it would be fourth and 15 correct from your own 25 yard line correct and so that's realistic I mean you're talking about getting 15 yards but it's so difficult to get an onside kick, especially if you're trailing in the game. There's only two minutes to go, and you don't have any timeouts. So, um, depend depending on how this goes, it's something maybe the NFL would consider in the preseason. Now, again, I don't know how the coaches agree with that, um, but again, there are trying to avoid collisions. You, you may have a new kicker, and you want to make sure your kicking field goes. You have a choice, but. To just do like a, a trial ride or just, you know, float balloons in the air and see how it picks out. I wouldn't have it in the regular season, but I would like to see it in a real game, how it affects each side of the ball. Spot and choose and the alternative to the onside kick or just I mean, how do you how do you how do you feel about spot and choose? I don't like that. Okay. Well, what what bothered you about? Well, I spot? just I, I mean I'm kind of like you said you can put the ball to ten yard line, which would be the offense. You can put the ball to fifty yard line. I want wonder what the strategy is behind that. Like, yeah, there's right now there's no analytics for this because this is all brand new. But you choose to spot the football, right? And all of a sudden, it's okay, I'm going to spot it at the 35. Maybe you play a little conservative. Well, then you choose Mike Jarecki says, I'm going to put the ball at the 35, and we're going towards the north end zone. So you've got to go 65 yards. All right, well, maybe I then say, I'm going to play defense, or I might say, you know what, I will take the ball at right. the 35. Right. It, 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 but if you're going to go, I'm going to choose the ball at the 10, and I'm going to go to the south end zone, and I just need 10 yards for a score, well, obviously I'm going to say, well, I want the football. So there is 
and and where you spot it, I think it's going to be somewhere between the forties. Okay, I, that, that just I just have a hard be, time putting on the ball at ten yard line. Yes, because then the the yeah. you, you say, "Are right, I going to put it at the ten? But then you can tell me you got to go ninety yards. Now, then I say, "Okay, that's fine. I'm going to play defense, and it's your ball first and ten yeah. at the ten yard line." Yeah. So. That that's a little bit of a strategy here. But what, I, I agree with option? you. I think for a, from a fairness standpoint, and again, I don't have all the rules. I think from the forty to forty would be fair for everyone involved. Because you know, again, if you don't get a first down, then all of a sudden you got to make a decision. Uh, you're probably not going to see many punts. I think teams would go for it on fourth down. Yeah, and I wonder if it just becomes that spot and choose that. If we do see it a lot, whether it's in the Pro Bowl or in preseason, the teams just say, you know what, spot it to the 50. Because now right. it doesn't matter. And that's, it's, that's good. You, you cut the field in half, and it's 50 yards one way or the other. Speaking of uh, overtime, now the Chiefs won the coin toss again, right? Yes, they did. Now, you know what I always say? you got to play defense. If they would have scored that touchdown. <laughs> the rule would have been changed. They would have changed the rule in a heartbeat. And even Andy Reid, after the, the, the prior game against Buffalo, said, "I'm I'm open to it." Yeah. I again, you got to play defense, and he threw that pick, and the next thing you know, Joe Burrow and that offense was able to get in field goal range, and they won the game. I like just playing the ten minute period, and I've heard discussion like, "Okay, well, you don't play overtime in the regular season; just have a tie game." But in the playoffs, you need a winner. Yes. So then you play a full ten minutes. And then after that, you play another full 10 minutes if needed. That so, way, so even if I score a touchdown, still play the 10 minutes? Yeah, keep going. And it, that gives both teams an opportunity. And then one's going to go on a 10-minute drive. Right. I right. mean, if you do, great. Props to you. You win. You right. advance. Because if, if, if you were the um, Chiefs and you scored a field goal on that drive instead of the pick, Cincinnati would have had to score a touchdown. Yes. Otherwise, we're, that would to me, when you get to the playoff, it's sudden death. Unless somebody wins after the ten minute period, I'm fine with how it is. But if they want to alternate, alter, alter it a little bit, then I would go just play the entire ten minutes or fifteen minutes, or whatever it is. And the onside. The kick, only thing there, Craig, is yeah. these guys don't want to play fifty minutes. Sorry. I know. I mean, I mean, you, got, put, you have no, to have a winner. No, seventy minutes. Yeah, you, you, you have, I know, you have but to I'm saying, it, you know how difficult it is to play sixty minutes. You, you see injuries yep. and. Um, I don't know. I'm, there, but basically, there's no easy solution. No, there's not. But I just, I, to me, you got to play defense in football. Um, so I, if you score a touchdown, so be it. They couldn't stop you. But I, I don't think players want to play 70 minutes if they have to in any game. And then on the alternative to the onside kick, after a made field goal or PAT, the scoring team has a choice. You either put the ball at the other team's 25-yard line and it's their ball first and 10 and you just go. Again, you're eliminating the kickoff. Or maybe I want to go up two scores or I'm down two scores, so I say, you know, I'm going to keep the ball. It's going to be fourth and 15 on my own 45-yard line. So I need 15 yards to advance. Otherwise, it's turnover on downs and Mike Jarecki playing good defense gets the football. I kind of like the alternative to the onside kick. Me too. Uh, and that's something I think, you know, possibly could be in the, in the future just based on the percentages of when it comes to onside kicks. So we'll see what the strategy is. And maybe we do get a little bit of a inkling on what a Mike Vrabel decides to do. You a little bit more conservative or Matt LaFleur? Is he a little bit more aggressive on some of this stuff? I, I hope 
that we do see some of this because you need as much information as possible. And I like your suggestion. You do some of this stuff in the preseason to gather information. How's it going to work? Because you can write something down on paper, but how's it going to be executed? And then maybe you need to tweak it because something comes up and then all you weren't thinking about that. And you're like, well, let's hold off. And you don't want to do it in the regular season. But again, doing it in preseason play, exhibition games, I'm fine with that. Well, and to me, you can't ask these guys to really play 100% in a pre or a pro bowl. It's usually tag football out there. You get to the yep. fourth quarter and over some money's on the line, you know, where each team gets more than the other. Um, but I think a true evaluation, e- even if it's one or two games, just see, because you got, you know, everyone has three preseason games. The Cardinals will have only one home preseason game, correct? Correct, because they had two last year, so they and think they want to alternate One got it. canceled mid-flight to New Orleans, <laughs> but – um, yeah, I think a better valuation would be uh, a preseason game. Now, we're talking about a lot of young players playing, but at the same time, I think you could have a small sample for more of an evaluation than in a Pro Bowl game. Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We wish all five of those Cardinal players good luck coming up on Sunday in the Pro Bowl. And with respects to D.J. Humphrey, certainly well-deserved becoming that fifth Cardinals player invited amongst the best in the NFC, which kind of leads us to our next discussion here, and that is looking at Humphreys' position group and the offensive line as a whole. We got a month, in fact, less than a month before the scouting combine and then free agency right around the corner. I'll say this, when you make the playoffs and extend the regular season by a week and you're playing 17 games and it's an 18-week regulars, all of a sudden this offseason, this little quote-unquote dead period, if you will, MJ, it's like evaporated. I mean, scouting combine, free agency, draft, schedule release, OTAs, minicamp, and then before you know it, regular season begins. I've always said, whoever made that NFL calendar, you need a race. And I talked to somebody in the building yesterday, and uh, they told me they're dialed in right now, whether it's grading free agents or getting ready for the draft, because their scouts – had the opportunity um, to go scout these players. Sometimes it was only limited scouts because of COVID. A lot of times they were doing Zoom with position coaches, and these scouts have known these players for two or three years. But I was told right now, from the franchise standpoint, they are dialed in when it comes to the offseason. They know they got to get better. Offensive line right now as we speak here, first week of February, 12 players under contract, and I'm including the three players that were signed to future deals, Danny Isidora, Coda Martin, and Eric Smith. There is one unrestricted free agent, and that is Max Garcia. If the Cardinals choose to bring him back for depth purposes, I'm all for it. Started 11 games, 7 at right guard, 4 at center, played in 15. Great, but it's that right guard position because Humphreys is back, Pugh is back, Hudson is back, and Beecham all under contract for next season. Hudson's the only one of those four, though, under contract through 2023. So there are some decisions that potentially could be made, not so much, in my opinion, in free agency, but perhaps the draft when you're looking at tackle, guard, and even the center position, though. First-round draft pick on a center, unless you think that's a 10-, 12-year center, you want that first-round pick in 2022 to contribute right away. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to Max Garcia, again, I give him a ton of credit because he really never played center, and obviously there was some low snaps just like it was for Harlow, and Hudson had a few, but it wasn't as bad. 
Um, he provides great depth, but I don't I don't think he's one. Of, when I always say Coogs is going to Sean Coogler is going to play the best five guys, I think out of necessity because the the lack of development or progress in Josh Jones, they were forced to go that route. And and again, he's got experience, but I look at him as more of a backup. I would try to bring him back on, on a one year minimum deal, and then you got to figure out what you have uh, with Josh Jones and Justin Murray and. Um, and I do think interior lineman is going to be a need for this team in the draft and possibly in free agency. Josh Jones is an interesting name to look at because at 6'7", 3'10", is he a guard or is he a tackle? He played nine games at right guard, started nine games at right guard, three at right tackle. Where do you slot him? Because as Kingsbury mentioned in his end-of-season press conference, quote, we need him next year to really step up, talking about Josh Jones. Well, the good news is you have Calvin Beecham, and he's a veteran guy and doesn't seem like he makes a lot of mental errors. And I didn't know this. I always thought when you play guard, um, you know, you can hide a guy. But according to Kyle Vandenbosch, he said things come at you a lot quicker. Where on the edge, you, you can actually get back in your stance, and it takes a second or two for the – the defender to actually touch you here, instant impact. So, you know, we know he started 40 games at Houston at left tackle, um, but I got to think he's got to be your – I think Murray, if Murray doesn't start, he could be your swing guy. Murray can play four different positions, but I do think interior linemen just to protect the future, whether Justin Pugh's number's high, what's, where's the scenario there. Um, obviously, Routsy Hudson, hopefully the Cardinals, I mean – I think centers can play to their 35, in my opinion, as long as he takes care of his body. And they can always re-up with him, just wait out, play it out. But, yeah, it's going to be a big offseason for Josh Jones, Josh Miles, and Justin Murray because there's three guys, and you got to hope one or two pan out. Josh Jones, again, he played in every game, started 12 of them. The knock on Josh Jones, he was the most penalized player on the team. Ten accepted penalties including five false start calls three in one game and that is never a good sign at six seven three ten yeah you're going to stand out but you don't want to stand out because you're committing penalties so if he is not the guy does he beat out a Kelvin Beecham and all of a sudden Beecham though he's under contract becomes the odd man out and you're going younger but he is a better option and talking about Josh Jones or is he your right guard, or is it Justin Murray, who started one game week three and then hurt his back, landed on IR, designated return, suffered a setback, and in fact underwent back surgery, should be okay later this month. That right guard position, keep pointing to that because that is the big question mark with this team moving forward. I go to a camp with open competition. Best man win. Whether it's Justin Murray, Josh Jones, or somebody they add, uh, last year, he went out and got Brian Winters. This guy had over 60 starts in his career. He decided he didn't want to play football anymore. So, and, it, and it, honestly, I they probably missed him just but what was going on at right guard. All of a sudden, Max Garcia is your starter, which, again, he does have experience, but um, we don't we didn't really focus on that because we thought they can go too deep. That means you have eight to ten linemen that can play at any time, and then the whole Malcolm Butler thing really didn't affect them, at least early in the season, maybe in the end of the season. But uh, I would have open competition, and, and it, it would be between two and three guys. Josh Miles is more of a tackle. 
address that guard position, whether it's left guard or right guard. And again, Justin Pugh, uh, his name's been in the news a lot as far as, yeah, he's under contract. He did accept a pay cut a year ago to remain with the Cardinals. Does that happen again? Does he get outright released? Those are questions that the front office is dealing with right now as far as not only 2022, but beyond as far as how do you set this offensive line up when you have the only one, Rodney Hudson, under contract beyond this coming season. Well, I'll say this. I mean, we're talking about the right guard and how important it is, and we witness this here. I don't know if you want to be in the market for two guards. So Fair. I got to think Justin Pugh, based on what he's when he's healthy, and that left side, him, Hump, and Hudson in the middle, I mean, you're, you're talking about filling two big holes there. So I, I would, I would, just, I, mean, I think the thought process is, regardless of the cap number, because he did take a pack, uh, pay cut, I think that, that he's in, in the plans for the future. Now we don't know uh, when it comes down to, to to looking at the salary cap. Can they save money here? Did, are they, did they, can they trust a guy like Justin Murray to play left guard? But I, I would think that. You don't want to have two big holes. Now, again, it's the offseason. They don't play until September. But I I would hope there's not you know musical chairs there. If there's one position that needs to get better, it's right guard. It's fascinating that we're having this conversation about a guard position, whether it's left or right, because when do we talk about the offensive line? Well, you need a strong left tackle. Protect the quarterback's blind side. Then it became, all right, well, don't forget about the right side because edge rushers – move from one side of the field to the other. And then over the years, it's like, wow, look at all that pressure up the middle and the interior getting pushed back, and all of a sudden the quarterback has hands and bodies in his face and he can't see or he's getting hit. It's fascinating that now all of a sudden that entire offensive line, yeah, maybe left tackle is still a little bit more important, but of those five positions, you can make an argument that you need someone solid. doesn't have to be an all-pro but someone solid at every single position to make up for deficiencies if you have it or an injury or two because, as we saw this season, that U-shape that you always talk about, it kind of bent in too many times, and Kyler Murray was harassed a lot. Yeah, and when you look at that um, – yeah, I just – when I when I look at the offensive line, and any time you're going through nine different lineup changes – you just don't have the chemistry, and then you know. And again, I give Sean Harlow and Max Garcia credit because that was the next man up, and they're they're you know they're undersized, and sometimes it looked like they were on roller skates. But yeah, I, I just think when you you know when you look at a football team, and everyone for the longest time is when you build a football team, quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and corner. I think we're starting to see teams build up the middle now. Quarterback, center, interior defensive line, linebackers, and safeties. Again, that's where the game's won in the trenches. And, and I know Steve mentioned this um, when he went out and got Rodney Hudson, and they were hoping, obviously, J.J. Watt would be healthy, is that, you know, it's not automatic anymore. You, you build a roster. Quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and corner. Now you're starting to look at teams building up the middle because if you can't stop the run or you're getting gashed and you can't protect the quarterback and they're turning it over and you're behind the sticks, that's a recipe for disaster. And up the middle, that would include either guard as far as 
to the right of the center or to the left of the center because you want that quarterback comfortable in the pocket. And I think at times Kyler Murray was, and then at other times, specifically against the Rams and Aaron Donald and company, there was too much pressure. And I don't know if if panic is the right word, but instead of sliding sliding the pocket or moving one direction or the other, he would backpedal. And we would see those mistakes and that bad habit from 2019 resurface. Well, I thought it started in the Packers game. It actually was in the Houston game too. Uh, Malik Collins. He was. I mean, luckily the Cardinals. You know, they didn't let him hang around. Uh, they were down in that game. They ended up winning 31 to five. And then obviously both of the uh, Niner uh, Rams last two games. That when you see Kyler running around like that, especially early in the game, not a good thing. You want that offensive line to be the first line and the last line of protection for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and, you know, I'm a big Sean Cooler fan, but sometimes you're only as good as the players you have on the roster. But I thought the Cardinals' offensive line regressed just like the entire offense, including the quarterback, in the second half of the season or after they were 10-2. and A strong offensive line during the – 7 and 0, 10 and 2 start and then when things went sideways it was everywhere. The entire offense because starts at the line of scrimmage. If you don't have good protection, good coverage as far as blocking those guys that are trying to get to your ball carriers, then yeah, then all of a sudden it does affect everything and maybe it did start at the line of scrimmage and that's why the numbers dipped to the degree they did in the second half of the season. Well, he just didn't have the starting five for the entire – and that happens with a lot of teams. And then you go to the backup. You know, the fact is that, you know, Pew started 13 to 14 games. Um, Hump basically 16 and seven, uh, sixteen out of 17. Um, you know, Rodney Hudson had ribs. Um, he, he started 12 games. Beecham started 15 games. Uh, missed two games with a right rib injury. Uh, Josh Jones started 12 games. So those are, those are encouraging, but at the end of the year, you like to have these guys 15 and 16 games where you don't have to rely on Sean Harlow, Max Garcia, or Josh Jones. Yeah, nine different O-line combinations, as you mentioned, four last season. So there was more continuity a year ago, yet mm. the team this season won more games. But I do think that speaks to the depth of the offensive line and a Sean Harlow and a Josh Jones and players that are stepping up in the absence of those starters, and then the ability to play multiple positions along that offensive line. But when you look at guard play now, how do you address guard? Whether it's left guard or right guard, but I think for the point of this conversation, it's right guard because that is the one spot that is open right now. Do you look at the draft? Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M, Zion Johnson, Boston College, Darian Kennard out of Kentucky. Those are the top guard names according to Mel Kuyper Jr. and Daniel Jeremiah or is it in free agency where you can spend some money and use that available cap space whatever you have and address the guard position in free agency and potentially the draft but maybe in free agency where you go out and get someone a Lakin Tomlinson who played for the 49ers and is 29 years old or you go younger and look at maybe an Austin Corbett 26 played for the Rams now what do those teams do with those players? But as far as addressing guard in free agency, where it's going to cost you some, or wait until April and the draft? Well, I think when you're picking 23rd, and according to Jeremiah, I think of his top 
15 or 20 players. He has nine edge rushers. If Chandler Jones tests free agency and doesn't come back, you, you got to fill that void. But again, there's we've seen guys get drafted in the second and third round. I think, I think corner, interior line, and edge rusher. And again, you can go wide receiver if you lose Christian Kirk. I think at 23, and they could trade down. Now, I think they're going to have at least seven picks and then three compensatory picks, which obviously are usually on day three. Um, so they can have some wiggle room if they want to move on late in the draft. But I, I got to think interior line, corner, um, defensive line, and possibly a receiver if you don't retain. And, again, they're going to stick to their board. Um, but it's going to be hard to project who's going to be there. And then we're going to say, well, he was the fifth <laughs> offensive lineman drafted. Well, if they had him ranked in their top 15, he goes to 23. Where well, you're doing good, you're doing well there. So I, I I'm not going to get fixated on well, you got the f- fifth best offensive lineman. We don't know. We don't know if any of these new head coaches are going to do anything in their their new opportunities. We just don't know. That's that's the beauty of the draft. It's a crapshoot, and teams put all a lot of money. They scout these guys. They talk to their strength coach. Nobody knows the players better than their strength coach. They talk to their position coach. They talk to the head coach, and they talk to other players. And you gather all this information, and two things you don't know. What's in the chest? Do they love football? They want to be great or just good? And what's between the ears? Because football is played above the shoulders at times. And we've seen that. It's not always the most skilled player the most talented player and when we talk about talent it's not how fast you can run how much you can bench press it's how much do you understand what is being asked of you whether a game plan reading defenses reading offenses and being in the right spot at the correct time I mean we've seen guys struggle Zayvon Collins Isaiah Simmons skill at skill level out of a 10 but still not quite ready to produce on a consistent basis here in the National Football League. Go back to our discussion about Tom Brady. Not the most skilled athletic quarterback coming out of college. Still not. Yet, what does he do better than anyone else? He knows where to put that football before the ball is snapped. And that was the beauty of Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, where he he was he was hoping you'd blitz. He, he bricked the huddle and he knew exactly where they wanted to go. And, you know, that's, that's where Kyler's got to get better. Now, when you look at sacks, we know the first year, was it 49 sacks? 48. 48, and I think 31 were on Murray. He was taking sacks, trying to outrun guys. They were take 270-pound guys were taking angles. It's definitely improved in the last couple of years, so he's not getting hit as much, but it seemed like in the second half he was being pressured, heard, and knocked down more than he had in the first half. In fact, he was actually, if you break down – the season in half he was actually sacked the number the number of sacks 31 times but most of those th- uh, 18 of those in the first half of the season wow. and only 13 in the second half of the season but I I had the same what's the what's the correct phrase I had the same thought process as you did because what did we see in the second half Murray scrambling running pressured but how many times was he actually dropped to the ground Versus the first half of the season, I, I so, just my eyes tell me he was pressured. And, yes, and, and and again we talk about sacks or fixated, but it was the hurries, pressures, and knockdowns. And then and the, and again the Rams game, he was just rattled. I mean, he was looking at the rush. You cannot look at the rush. You have to feel the rush. Your peripheral vision will show if anybody's running around your feet. You have to keep your eyes down the field because when you take your eyes off the field for one second to duck your head or look at the rush, all of a sudden that guy was open. He's no longer open, and you're looking at ghosts. 
Or you turn your back to the defense, yeah. which we saw a couple of times in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes has made a living of doing that <laughs> in the postseason, sometimes successful, sometimes not. But, yeah, offensive line, and it's not the sexy position. It's not going to be something that's going to jump off the page in free agency or on draft night, but it does need to be addressed now and in when looking at this season moving forward because, again, Humphreys, Pugh, Beecham, all free agents after this upcoming season. Well, I got to think DJ is going to get another contract. Uh, I'll I'll say this though, and stating the obvious, but it's well to, well to point out, just having Hopkins on the field. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so simple, but here at the end of the year, he let the team in touchdowns at a wide receiver. How many games did he miss? Separation, you know regardless of who comes back, just having a top three receiver. And we know Kyler, that's his first read, and it should be. Go back to that first game, I think he was targeted 17 times, had 15 catches against the Niners. And I I asked someone, hey, is he going to get those targets the next week? Well, they said if that's the coverage, they're going to play him. Just having him on the field, Craig, makes a huge difference. you got to roll coverage over. All of a sudden, if you're running the ball, and when the Cardinals are at their best, they have balance on offense. You had a great stat. I don't know if one that was 10 and 2, 48% rushing and 52% passing. And then there was a three-game stretch. They were throwing the ball 75% of the time and only running at 25% of the time. And that was probably because you really didn't have uh, Chase Edmonds and Connor, I think, the last game they would play together was in Detroit, and Kyler wasn't running as much, which was the plan. But out of necessity, he needed to run more. It's always fascinating when you look at the offense and try to break down the numbers and try to explain why, what happened. Offensive line play, skill position play, quarterback play, or the fact that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't on the football field. Probably a combination of both, but the D-Hop conversation is certainly one that will have a lot over the course of the offseason. Yeah, and I love the pickup for Zach Ertz, but they were a different team without Max Williams. He's your perfect 11 personnel. He, I always thought he's the meat and potatoes guy. He could chip. He can release. Clearly, Kyler had a, you know, had a good trust in, in not only Max Williams, Dan Arnold. Now you're going to take some shots when you go on the seam. And then clearly, when, when Hop got, uh, went down, Zach Ertz was targeted 10 and a half times uh, throughout the stretch of the regular season. I don't know why he wasn't targeted 15 times in the Rams game. Don't forget, Bird Gang, Pro Bowl coming up on Sunday, 1 p.m. Kyler Murray, James Conner, DJ Humphreys, Chandler Jones, and Buda Baker all participating. And there will be content up on azcardinals.com the days leading up to the game plus postgame as well. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.